All right, hello, welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. It is a beautiful Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to all of our supporters who are supporting us. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, we need more of you to help us out, to share uh, the Cosmic Eye Show with your friends and family and so on. So please do that. And if you can also support us financially, we're at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye and check us out there. I'm your host, Jason Napolitano, and I have on the line, Mr. Chris Sheridan. What's happening, buddy? How you doing, Jason? It's uh, good to be here. Another, like you're right, it is here anyway in Los Angeles, a beautiful Sunday. It is here in Las Vegas, a beautiful Sunday as well. It's pretty warm today. You guys uh, got in that, in that heat? We're, uh, we're still moving towards summer, it looks like. Summer's here. No, no spring for us, but we're, no, right, we're right in the summer. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Um, so today, we are going to cover a very interesting topic and an important topic. Uh, so we're going to look at the Magician Tarot card. We looked at him before, and you can go back and check that out if you want. But we're looking at the Magician from a very different angle this time. I was doing some meditation, and uh, Chris and I talked about this subject, and we thought it would be a good one. But I came to this idea that, you know, I thought that there's some interesting symbolic relationships between the Earth and sustainability and what we see in this Magician card. Uh, so I wanted to talk about some of those ideas today and how we can kind of look at the esoteric tradition symbolically and mythologically speaking, uh, how that applies to sustainability and ecological things in our own lives and how we can you know, put some of these ideas to use. Uh, so we're going to use the magician card as a jumping off point to talk about some of those things and you know, kind of see where it moves us. We, we have a kind of a general outline, but I think we're going to let the spirit kind of push us into us, uh, into this direction, or into the direction it wants to push us, let's say that, and uh, speak about things that uh, that come up that we feel like are going to be important uh, for you guys as well to, to hear. Uh, so we've got two cards that we're looking at. You can use whatever card you want if you want to grab your own deck and, and look on or look something up online or what have you. I am looking at the B-O-T-A card. That is the Builders of the Aditum card. That's Paul Foster Case's wonderful organization that's in Los Angeles. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, stop by and check that out. I'm sure uh, they will open up soon or check them out online. It's great, a great organization, wonderful tarot instruction. And then we also have uh, the Toth deck, Alistair Crawley's genius, excuse me, Crowley. I just said Crawley. I, I despise when people say Crawley. It's Crowley. Um, we have his wonderful card, uh, the Magus, which is equivalent to the Magician card. So we're going to look at those two cards. So if you want to look those up, go for it. Uh, the BOTA card, by the way, is very much like the AE weight card, the, the Rider weight deck, the most common deck that there is floating around out there. So if you want to use that one, that one's, that one's perfectly cool too. Uh, so, you know, we're just using these, like I said, as a jumping off point. So we're going to get right into this. Um, do you want to start? I'm just going to hand it off to you, and then we'll start a dialogue and see where it takes us. Okay, well, maybe I'll just say something about sustainability, and uh, you know that can lead into the the symbolism. Yeah. In this tarot card, and you know, I think you know, based on our you know setup uh, discussion, that you know we're talking about ecological sustainability. That is, you know, the food uh, that we grow, uh, that uh, human life <laughs> and our footprint on this planet uh, is sustainable, the activities uh, of our civilization, generally all those things, maybe a little more towards the nature aspect of sustainability, uh, but certainly not devoid of the uh, philosophical ideas that maybe at this point are, are no longer sustainable. Um, but however it is uh, looked at, sustainability is that which can be sustained, that it takes no more power <laughs> to generate what it needs to do. Uh, there's no really loss of energy. Um, it's not creating more waste uh, than it's eating up. Uh, almost you could look at it like a perpetual motion <laughs> machine, uh, that it takes energy to move it, but it also creates energy to drive it. So I think in a general sense, uh, that's what we um, might be thinking of when we're talking about sustainability. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. You know, it's, it's basically, you know, not taking more than will replenish itself so that we're not robbing future generations from the same 
opportunity at life that that we have right now and and that's a kind of another simple way of looking at it too um, and living more in harmony with the natural order of the earth as it exists uh, you know the natural it is a sustainable system it is a, exactly human meddling <laughs> yeah. it is on its own a, a sustainable uh, you know mechanism exactly and so you know the tr the you know the real the real paradigm then is just to kind of mimic what nature is already doing naturally for us uh, with its flows of energy and its you know purification systems for water that it has and its recycling that it does of the natural elements and so on you try to mimic the way that the earth works and that's those are some of the principles that you'll see in a permaculture design and regenerative agriculture if you want to check out more about those things we'll talk a little bit about that we're going to get a little a, a bit less into the you know the technical side of things uh, and more we're going to be talking about the spiritual and you know sort of the principles behind some of these things as we're looking at the symbols but i'm glad we you framed that out that idea of sustainability to begin with it really means you know to live in a more harmonious and you know the, the word kind of it's sort of self-explanatory it's a sustainable thing and so in contrast to that as most of us know, you know, we're living very unsustainably. It requires massive amounts of inputs and massive amounts of energy to create the lifestyles that we live and massive amounts of waste to make the products that we need and massive amounts of chemicals which end up in our environment and they end up off-gassing from the, the products and the, the carpets and the different things that we're interacting with and really poisoning us and the environment we see the effects of this we know all the scary stories and all that you know we know things about um, the topsoil for example we talked a little bit about that in a couple of episodes I think ago um, at some point and uh, we know that the topsoil is eroding and the topsoil is of course where you know all of our crops are grown so if you have no topsoil you're not growing crops out in the environment and the land is degraded and you create these gigantic deserts and you know massive problems unfold because of that uh, silt goes into the ocean and creates problems there it's like you know so it's all interrelated so what we're looking at in this idea of sustainability is going back to and emulating and working with the natural processes of the earth and of course so that leads us into talking about the magician a bit uh, which we're going to get into. The first thing that sticks out for me on this card and why, why I kind of got this idea is that infinity symbol above the magician's head. So if you don't have a card in front of you, that infinity symbol, which Chris has a tattoo of, incidentally, uh, is, uh, is an eight on its side. It's that little loop, basically. It's that uh, Mobius strip loop, if you've seen that. And so it, you know, it, it signifies that that cycling and recycling, that infinite flow. And what I thought of when I, when I looked at that was this idea of the sort of closed loop. So that kind of makes me think of two different things when I look at that. One, this idea of cradle to cradle manufacturing, which is a super exciting idea. Um, and there's a great book uh, of that title that you can check out if you're interested. But it's this idea of manufacturing that's in accord with the natural environment so that we don't manufacture anything that cannot 100% be recycled into something equally useful and beneficial. So the difference between that and, the t and also it doesn't contain any toxic uh, materials that will you know, invade the environment or any kind of... Um, any kind of different, you know, it doesn't end up in a landfill. It, you know, it goes back to the factory. It's completely recycled into something of equal value. And it's possible. They've tested this and it's possible to do this. You have to use higher quality materials. It takes more time and it takes more money and it takes effort and focus and determination to do that, but it is possible. They've already proved it. So we could do that with all of the manufacturing that we do. It would take a major retooling. And in fact, it would be akin to the industrial, you know, what happened in the industrial revolution, but we have the tools, the knowledge, you know, hopefully we'll have the will to do that <laughs> as time goes on. It also reminds me though, this little closed loop system of the closed loop that we live in, which is called the earth, this little snow globe. There is nowhere else for anything to go. Everything we do, all the processes that occur in this natural world occur in this little snow globe we call the earth. 
you know, it's a closed system. You know, it looks open because the sky is so vast and everything, but you know, there's an atmosphere that's protecting us. It's invisible, but it's, you know, it's there and it's protecting us and it's holding everything, well, not everything in, but you know, it, keep, it, keeps the, it keeps us at homeostasis and allows us to live. So, you know, that's where the problem with CO2 in, in, the, in the atmosphere comes into play, that changes the atmosphere and it changes the, the temperature of the earth and so on. So, you know, we have to remember we live in this closed loop system. And that's what I see in that, that, that infinity symbol above the magician's head. Um, do you get anything else off of that? Well, yeah, and it's in this closed system, uh, things don't go away. You can throw it in the trash, flush it down the toilet, uh, burn it <laughs> in an incinerator, uh, but something still goes somewhere. Um, so this notion of throwing away is just, it, you're just putting it somewhere else. You're never really throwing it away. It's just being moved. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because it is a closed system. But, you know, I do like this infinity symbol. And um, what I see on the two halves uh, of this figure, uh, if it's sideways, it's a left and a right, uh, right portion of it, uh, these teardrop shapes, uh, that that's like yin and yang and it's like the opposites so you could have above and below within and without the macro and the micro the left hand and the right hand uh, heaven and earth any of these great polar opposites which of course as we know are not really opposite they are two poles of the same thing that they are infinitely <laughs> to borrow the term connected and intimately connected and where this connection is this twist you know, think of it as like a twist where that, um, those two parts intersect in the middle. And that's where you are. You're betwixt heaven and earth or, you know, nature and man or, you know, the heaven and, uh, you know, heaven and earth, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's where, that's where the magician, since it's right above his head and right above the center of his head, that's where the the focus is, and it's even more so, I'm also using the uh, Knapp Hall deck, uh, Manley Hall and J. Augustus Knapp uh, put together a, a great tarot deck after they did the secret teachings in the late 1920s. This came out in 29, and this infinity symbol is actually the brim of the magician's hat, uh, but it's still very much that symbol, and where it's interconnected, where that crossover point is, is right up where his third eye is. So I think that, you know, to me that also underscores that we are the magicians and we are the ones that have to balance nature and man. Uh, we can't really change nature. Um, we can use um, our skills and maybe nature isn't so frightening with storms because we can build shelters or with animals because we can build weapons or fences and protect ourselves. And also on the other side is what is that we're doing to bring these two into harmony. So we're, we are the magicians and we're dealing with our human things and we're dealing with the natural world. And it comes together in the center of- That crossover, of, that crossover point there, huh? Yeah. How you put that, that's a great, that's a great, uh, great way to look at that. Well, when you, when you were saying that, it reminds me, you know, that we are the magician, you know, we're the ones that are going to make these changes and we're the ones that are affecting these great changes on the planet right now. It's not the animals, it's not the environment, it's not anything outside of our control. These things that are happening, you know, regardless of how you feel about climate change, whether you want to argue about it or not, what you cannot argue about is that we're losing biodiversity, we're losing arable uh, you know, uh, topsoil at an alarming rate. Our waters are becoming poisoned. There are giant garbage, you know, islands floating out in the ocean. All of these things. And, you know, again, this is not all to bum you out. It's to, it's to mobilize you and make you realize that, you know, you are the magician. You're the solution. It's not going to come from the top down, you know. And, and I say this as much for myself as, as I speak to other people about it. It's like we have to make these changes within our lives and we have to start new organizations and get involved with organizations and so on and, you know, create new ways of doing things that are going to change us for the, you know, that are going to put us in balance with the earth, you know. So it starts, 
in a way with putting ourselves internally in order first and recognizing these problems on the outside and then realizing, okay, I'm part of this. I'm part of this problem. Okay, look, this whole system is, is, you know, problematic. So we've really got to address the entire structural system and begin to, to work from the bottom up because it's not going to come from the top down. It's not, you know, the corp, the corporate powers and the, you know, government structures that, you know, are supported by those corporate powers and so on, you know, most likely will not make those changes until it's probably too late. So we have to push and get involved and make those changes and, you know, make changes from the top up, I mean, from the bottom up, excuse me. And it reminds me too of what, what Jung said. He was saying, you know, in the past, you know, human life when it was much more simple, we were less technologically advanced and less numerous, of course, on the planet, you know, the environment was the danger. And he, he was very fond of saying, now we are the great danger. Psyche is the great danger. In other words, human psychology is the great danger. And we know nothing about the psyche, really. We know nothing about the, you know, the internal life. And Jung was saying this. And I mean, he knew, you know, massive amounts about the, you know, the internal life. So, you know, it's important for us to recognize that, you know, these inner and outer worlds need to come together inside ourselves so that we recognize that you know look we are an integral part of this problem as well as part of this solution and it comes together in us you know we're that meeting point between heaven and earth that 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 symbol is representative of that infinity symbol well yeah it gets underscored too um, by the body position of the magician in the card uh, and I have three different decks in front of me and uh, in three different ways, it's showing the same thing. Um, one hand is pointing upward above the head and the other one is pointing down to the ground below. And so even that, like that gesture is so, it's almost, you know, think of the, uh, what's that Saturday Night Fever? <laughs> John Wolf was doing that, you know, on the cover. It kind of looks like that. He's, you know, one's pointing to the sky and one's pointing right to the ground below. So, I mean, that alone just says heaven and earth or, you know, sky and ground. Yeah, that's a great point. It matter, if you will. Yeah, and, you know, we're, again, we're that magician. We're that, that intermediary between those, between the earth and, and heaven. And so, you know, the, the, the magic that we do, the spiritual life that we live, the actions that we take, all of those things make, make a difference. You know, the, the, the psychological work, the inner work that we do, you know, all of those things make a difference, you know? So, you know, people think, well, no, I need to go out there and get involved. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And yes, you do. But what, what I'm also saying, and I, I'm sure Chris agrees with me, is that do the inner work as well to make sure you're moving in the right direction and the destiny that, you know, your own sort of life has. And so that it's, you know, you're in harmony with your own purposes as well. And you're working on the right things. You know what I mean? Those things that are, that are yours to do. And so, you know, this is one of the hard things about it. And, you know, this is where the magician is a good example because, you know, in, in the esoteric wisdom, this uh, this card is a is a symbol of self consciousness, concentration, and focus. So you know you can see that focus with the pointing of the finger, and you can see that direction of energy from above to below. So he's channeling that that super conscious energy that's represented by the fool, which is the card right before this card, down into works, down into practical things. And you see that by that table that's sitting in front of him. So there's a table, a wooden table. Uh, that's his working table or his altar and there's a cup a sword a pentacle and a wand on it and those represent the four elements and various other uh, ideas so you know you see this idea that we've got to we've got to channel this higher energy from above that's the inner work into the works that we do on a day-to-day -day basis and that's maybe the outer work if you want to call it the, the esoteric or the exoteric versions of what's going on and so, you know, this is the thing. And getting back to the idea of this, this pointing, though, that's concentration. That's focus. What happens sometimes is we see the totality of these, the challenges in the environment, let's say. And we just get overwhelmed by it because there's just so many different things. It's like, well, 
should I help out with, you know, water or ocean conservation? Should I help, you know, try to save the forest? Should I uh, do, you know, regenerative farming? Should I, you know, get involved with this, get involved with that? My, my advice to my, both myself and to anyone who is listening is pick one thing. Pick one thing that your heart resonates with. And I think that's what this magician is saying. He's like, you can't do everything. So pick one area and the universe will guide us all into our own little destinies and it will all work harmoniously together if we're true to that mission and that destiny that we have within ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It, it does. And that, I think, is a real difficult part for people who are uh, ecologically and socially uh, aware and concerned yeah. Uh, active. We see this in, in protests where it might start out as, you know, one group saying, well, we, you know, we demand we be heard about this. And then, oh, well, this other group, well, we support that too. And then it becomes, you know, it's great to have a big movement, but you can get lost in all the different aspects of it. Yeah. And, and it is too much. And you can't fight the big companies, all of them like all at once. But I like that what you're saying is, you know, is pick one thing, one thing at a time. Or, or one small way in which that you could apply to several different things. Yeah. You just want to buy things with, with less packaging. Well, then that's one thing to do, but you could apply that to several different stores that you go to or ordering online. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying don't be holistic in your approach and take, you know, multiple angles at solving the problem. But I guess more what I'm saying is sometimes we can get overwhelmed by the scope of it. Like there's so many different moving pieces in terms of ecology and economics and how those, you know, interface with each other. And then where does spirituality fit in or, you know, the esoteric traditions and all that. There's so many different things to think about. So I guess really what I'm saying is, you know, have a holistic view of the, the big picture like where you fit into it and so on and see that and, you know, try to make as many changes as you can to move in a positive direction. But in terms of like how you want to do that or how you want to get involved, I would say it would be more effective. I think this is just my opinion, um, you know, than trying to be interested in everything to pick kind of one, one area of focus. Like for example, like you might say, well, you know, I'm really, really excited about permaculture. And really going down that route and kind of seeing what you can do and really, you know, creating a lifestyle based on, on that permaculture model. Um, or you might be really interested in, you know, ocean conservation. And so you really devote, you know, your time and energy to, you know, saving this or that particular place or, or working on, you know, something in that area. You know, I'm just saying kind of be specific and, and kind of go in the direction where your heart leads you and don't try to do everything, but, you know, do, but, and on the other hand, you do need a broad, you know, a broad view of things so you can see how all these different things work together, but how you, uh, you know, how you also fit into the, to the big picture. Uh, in and that's the balancing thing. I think infinity and where the magician is very centered. Yeah. Between heaven and earth uh, that, uh, you take a balanced approach where they say, um, you know, act globally, um, you know, and act locally, think globally, think globally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was kind of bringing the two together, your personal thing and how it fits into the larger thing. And, and to know that it's uh, every little bit helps. It really, as a matter of fact, if there's enough little bits, it becomes a very big thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so, you know, and again, like, like I said, I'm not trying to say, um, you know, just do one thing in your life. So you're going to want to, you know, you're going to want to, like, for example, if you're trying to live a sustainable lifestyle, you know, you're going to want to try to, you know, depending on where you live, harvest, harvest rainwater. You're going to want to try to use the gray water from your, you know, your system to water plants. And you're going to want to try to, you know, leave as small of an ecological footprint as you can. You're going to want to, try to grow as much of your own food as you can and, you know, use as little fossil fuel as possible or, you know, hopefully none at all if you, if you can, um, you know, and, and these sorts of things, you know, re recycle what you can, even in the inefficient system there is, it's better than not doing it, certainly. 
compost what you can. So these are the kind of ways that all this stuff works holistically. So I'm not saying don't do all these things together, but I'm saying in terms of like how you, how you accomplish that or like the cause that you want to get involved with or something like that, try, try to focus, try to focus in some way. You know, if, if you, if you can, I think that the people that make the greatest impact seem to be pretty focused. Like I think about someone like Jeff Lawton, for example, who's a great permaculturist. He's, you know, he was a student of Bill Mollison's who was one of the founders of that idea and that movement out of Australia. And, you know, he's very, clear and focused about what he's trying to achieve you know and if you watch his videos which i highly recommend um on youtube uh g e o f f l a w t o n jeff lawton uh you can you can see his stuff but um you know he's he's he has a very singular message about permaculture and it's very uh it's very clear and it's very effective and it makes a lot of damn sense so that's one one way of looking at things. You know, there are multiple ways. You know, there's certain types of uh, organic gardening, bio biodynamic gardening, which is the Steiner School of gardening. Um, you know, different ways to approach things. People think about the the Gaia principle. You know, the Earth and how it's all related. You know, a lot of the neo pagan movements have their own ecological branches and so on. So I mean, whatever kind of suits you, you know, kind of kind of follow that. And you know, even you know the the wild thing is even Christianity you know, is, is it gets a bad rap because, you know, it's like there's this interpretation of the Bible where, you know, man is supposed to subdue the earth and it's, you know, you know we're the masters of the, the earth. And people have taken that in a sort of negative way and they've sort of dominated the environment. And so rightfully people have criticized that. But, you know, if you really look at Christianity itself and the messages, messages of Jesus and you look at the kind of agrarian and, you know, agricultural society that, you know, that came out of, you know, they were very much in harmony with the land as much, you know, as, as they could be. And, and also in terms of, you know, the, the knowledge that they had. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, we've kind of taken and ran with some negative ideas and maybe some misunderstandings of biblical interpretation that have taken us in a, in a different direction. But also if you go back, you know, you go to the book of Genesis, for example, and you see that God made it and it is good. You know, it's very simple and very clear. And then Adam and Eve are, you know, they're, they're, you know, quote unquote, thrown out of the garden, and we won't get into the symbolism of what I actually think that means. But the point is, is then they're, they're, you know, they're set out to, to be stewards of the land. You know, they're set out there to be farmers, and then they've got to, you know, work by the sweat of their brow to earn their, to earn their keep, as it were. Um, you know, but they're, they're supposed to be stewards, and they're supposed to be working with the natural order of God's goodness that was created. It wasn't, you know, hey, I created this place, now go and do what the hell you want with it and crap it up and destroy it and kill all the animals. And no one ever said that, you know what I mean? Well, I do, and actually the word that is used is dominion. Yeah. Over the, the plants and the animals and, and nature. And dominion does not mean domination. No, you're right. Right, you're a caretaker, you're a steward, you're a servant, uh, and you serve nature in the way nature works and yeah. you know you talk about in christianity in the new testament there's you know many of the great parables are related to you know the lilies see how they uh they don't they toil not <laughs> yeah uh, why worry about what you're going to wear the lilies of the field or have the faith of a mustard seed they would have known that a teeny little mustard seed can grow into a you know a giant structure that birds can hide in you almost can't even see them, they're so small. Oh, yeah, those mustard trees are huge. It's remarkable. And how small a mustard seed is, it's tiny. Yeah, so they're learning these spiritual lessons from things from nature. Nature that they would have been familiar with. Yeah. A uh, Bronze Age, sandal-wearing, Near Eastern uh, region. Um, and, you know, even to explain parables uh, that, well, you don't, you know, if you plant your seed on the dry, hard ground, the birds will pluck it up. If you drop your seed on rocks, it'll fall to the bottom. If you drop your seed where thistles and thorns are already growing, it's going to get snuffed out, but a tilled soil that's enriched uh, will grow uh, two bushels full more or however yeah. you know, yeah, it goes yeah. threefold. Exactly. You know, so there's a lot of, you know, very, and but those, those are all ways in which um, not only are we getting along with nature, but we're really learning from nature. We're learning about ourselves. There are secrets about 
you know, our psychology and uh, not just our relationship to the earth, but our relationship to each other and, and the universe can be found in um, gardening and planting and being aware of how these things work. And um, just to throw one extra thing out there on this, um, I have a Meyer lemon tree in, in the backyard and I was asking my neighbor, you know, okay, I'm, I got some fill dirt and filled in some things around. I said, well, what's, you know, what's a, should I put around it? Should I put uh, potting soil? Should I put, you know, mulch? Sometimes you see that there's like a, a ring of mulch or something around the base of a tree, you know, so it gets the nutrients it needs. Um, and she goes, no, um, what you need to do is all the leaves and all the lemons <laughs> that fall to the ground, um, crunch those up and put those at the base of the tree. That's what, you know, so the, you know, and it was like a big, oh, okay, of course, you know, here's this tree and it is supplying, talk about sustainability, its nutrients come from what falls off the tree that I was scooping up and putting into the bin and the truck was coming with his diesel engine and taking it to a landfill somewhere or, you know, who knows where. Exactly. And, and then I'm going to, you know, the home store to, to buy a big bag of fertilizer <laughs> <laughs> yeah. scooped out with a big tractor with a diesel engine and all this stuff. Yeah, no, you're right about that. That's a that's a great point. And that falls right in line with the idea of sustainability and and, and get back to permaculture. That's it. You know, you're you're helping, you're basically just emulating what nature does and helping kind of to speed things up. So you'll, you know, you'll cut, you'll grow plants that are specifically for sacrificing to to cut down to use as mulch and to feed the soil. So you're emulating what a forest actually does. You're emulating what nature actually already does naturally. And you don't need to introduce chemicals and different components into it. You make your own compost out of food scraps and grass clippings and you know paper and whatever else and then dry materials and so on. Leaves, dried leaves, whatever else goes in there. And you know, you're emulating nature's processes. And, you know, that's exactly what you're talking about. It's a great, that's a great, great point. Very illustrative of, of the way this, these systems work. So, you know, we think we need to introduce chemicals and, you know, strip the land and till it and do all these crazy things. When really, if you look at the way a forest works, it's self-sustaining. It drops stuff on the ground. It feeds itself. It covers the earth with this, with this blanket that keep the roots uh, nourished and keep the, the moisture in the soil. They protect the plants when it's cold. It's genius. You know, God did it. it. It took, you know, evolution, you know, hundreds of millions, billions of years to figure out these processes and to put them into place. And we come along and think we know better in this like tiny little span of time that we've existed. And we've changed the whole way the earth is functioning. And it's very arrogant, you know. And, you know, I'm not trying to criticize us as human beings. We're doing our best. I get it. But we can do better. We can do better. You know what I mean? Well, it's our knowledge. You know, I think you're, you're talking about this, uh, this transformation or this, you know, magician um, really doing the inner work as well. Just like I discovered some information because I put it out there. Yeah. Your neighbor who, who certainly has a greener thumb than I. Uh, but I learned something that I, I didn't really, it makes sense after you hear it, but it didn't even occur to me um, <laughs> to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And so there's probably so many things like that in our everyday lives. Oh, yeah. With a little more knowledge or some exploration, uh, well, is there another way instead of just being stuck in this paradigm uh, to do something? And, you know, I would say for most things, there probably is another way, maybe a way we hadn't thought of yet. Yeah. Because become so ingrained in the paradigm just like you're saying the paradigm of well you got to fertilize you got a pesticide you got insecticide you have to harvest you have to reap and then you have to put more fertilizer on because you sucked all the life out of the soil you know yeah exactly but that's you know it doesn't that's the thing it doesn't have to work that way and it's like you look at you look at these systems and the way they actually actually naturally function and it's like that closed loop like that you know that infinity symbol that's above the uh the magician's head so for example let's and again it's just i've been watching a lot of this permaculture stuff and i've, I've you know I'm, I'm very into it right now so let's say you you know you've got a little a little farm so you've got 
some animals on that farm that have, they obviously they create waste, so there's manure. That manure is used as fertilizer. Uh, you're growing plants with that, and the plants grow, and then you dry some of those leaves, and that goes into compost, and then some of those plants feed those animals, and then you're harvesting water, and you're saving water, and then you're distributing it throughout your land properly, the same way that nature does it, by keeping it in these swales and these underground kind of storage tanks or in your own tank which would kind of represent a lake or something like that so you're just emulating what what nature is doing and you know obviously the knowledge goes way beyond the scope of my, my limited knowledge so you know do your do your homework and research but the principle is that everything is working together and you're not creating waste everything can be used reused and completely you know absorbed back into the system without harm that's and that's what, you know, that's what this cradle to cradle idea is. So that if a factory were producing something, the, let's say that it's creating heat or steam uh, in the process, that heat or steam would be used to, to do something like heat a greenhouse, let's say. Um, you know, if there's wastewater, you have to treat that wastewater to the point where it's going out of the factory as, and it's, you know, it's, it's as clean as when it came in or cleaner you know, it's got to go harmlessly back into the environment. And also those, you know, anything that you're taking out of it, you've got to reuse or recycle into the process so that there's no harmful side effects. And it's just a different way of thinking about doing things. It's, it's much more technical and complicated, but in a sense, it's much more simple because you're mimicking what nature is already doing. It just, we just don't have that paradigm right now. That's why this whole thing this whole idea of sustainability is a shift in the way that we, we think. The Industrial Revolution created an idea where you rip things out of the ground, you turn them into a product, you sell them as cheap as possible to the most people that you can, they throw those things away, we bury them in a landfill, and then we go rip out some more products from the ground or some, you know, some fresh trees, make something new. You know, create. It's, a, it's a loop of waste. It's a waste loop. And people don't, you know, keep things or use things or reuse things. It just goes, you know, everything's life cycle is so short. Think about how quick your TV goes into the trash anymore. Think about how quick your cell phone is, is dumped uh, to be turned in for another cell phone. And, you know, either that's going into a landfill or it's kind of getting recycled, but there's no closed loop on any of this stuff. It's all eventually ending up in a landfill. You know, and there's valuable materials and it's, you know, in the future, it's going to be way more expensive to extract those materials out of the ground than to just re-harvest them out of the things that we already have. But we have to do manufacturing in a different way. And that's why it's a paradigm shift. You've got to think, okay, well, I can't create waste that's going to end up in a landfill. So it's like my whole system has to be a closed loop, just like how the earth works. So, I mean, that's kind of the gist of how, how that, that works. In, 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 you know, and that, that's where I'm seeing, and, you know, in, in, in essence, it's like this in this card, you know, he's pointing up, he's pointing down to the ground, and then there's that infinity loop, and you see this sort of cycling and recycling of things, and you think about that on a spiritual level, maybe that, you know, is alluding to reincarnation, but if you think about it on a material level, it's the reincarnation of our, of our products and the things that we're creating into other forms and other useful things. You know, so we have to think in this spiritual way. And that's what I think he's doing. He's pointing also up to the spiritual principles, the heavens, and he's pointing down to the material existence and how those two things have to line up. The way we do things should have to line up with the spiritual realities behind the material existence, right? Right. And you, on this uh, Rider Weight deck, it may be the same in the VOTA. There are red roses in a garland above his head, right mm -hmm. where he's pointing uh, yeah. to the sky. And right below them, there are other plants, but among them are red roses as well. So you can actually even graphically see that uh, what is growing in heaven is also growing among the other things on earth, that that's part of it. Uh, so that's a pretty clear um, visual um, indicator. And then also, I guess I, you know, I'm drawn now because we're talking about, you know, kind of practical ways and, you know, what can we do um, ourselves to uh, to improve things, to reduce our footprint, whether it's combining trips when we get out in the car and go across town, 
um, oh, let's do everything we need to do on, on the east side when, when we're over there instead of making two trips in a week, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. Yeah. And I see, you know, on the card, what, what this magician has to work with, his magic tools, um, are the four suits of the tarot deck, you know, the, the pentacle, the cup, the sword, and the wand. And it's on this, you know, relatively square, I guess, level uh, table uh, that's right in front of them. So it's very accessible. It's just the tools are in front of us. I believe this is what's saying. Mm -hmm. Yes, the big goal is to bring heaven down to earth and what's in front of us, what we as individuals do with our hands and feet, um, we have the tools and we have the workbench to do this. It's not that something has to be conjured up or you know, mystically bestowed upon us. Um, we can do the work. We have the tools and we have the workspace uh, as long as we have the knowledge and then the will to use that knowledge in that direction. Um, we can do it. So I don't know, do you want to talk about the, the tools on the table, uh, perhaps? I know you know a little more about the, the symbolism of the, the different suits and maybe how that relates to sustainability. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, in, in Alifus Levy's work, so the tools correspond to four ideas. Um, Alifus Levy was one of the great occultists uh, from France. Um, who wrote extensively about tarot and one it really was one of the kind of the the grandfather of this modern kabbalistic you know tarot interpretation that we've kind of uh grown grown used to these days um but he talked about how they symbolize to know uh to will to dare and to keep silent so it would be wand um wand uh, sword cup pentacle i believe uh, so the idea there is, you know, that you're, it's kind of like what you're talking about with the knowledge, you know, there's sort of this knowledge and then there's this sort of willing that happens and then there's a daring, which is the doing and the keep silent part is the pentacle of the actual manifestation of the thing. And so that's kind of the, the principles of that. And then of course there's the fire, water, air and earth elements of those things, which actually are the, you know, the four fundamental elements that, uh, you know, that exist you know, symbolically speaking, uh, on the, you know, in this material existence that we live in, right? So they all, you know, they, just okay. to tag on to that, the uh, all four elements are present in a plant or a flower that's mm -hmm. in the ground or, or in a pot. So you have this earth element uh, that is the ground, the soil. You have the air that it pulls in carbon dioxide and spits out oxygen. You have the, of course, the water plants need water and then you have the fire of the sun then it's so all four elements are in contained within a single plant absolutely absolutely that's a great point and you know we're the same way i mean we need those things uh in equal balance you know uh, as a as a human being for our life you know we need that sunlight we need that air we need that water you know we need that pentacle of food you know the material manifestation of that um mm -hmm. so it's the same thing and you know it's this it's this it's this balance that that represents and these tools that are there, you know, so it's an inner and an outer kind of a, an experience, really. Uh, and I think that's what that represents by those being on that table there. And of course, that table, too, I mean, is this table of attention. It's where we're putting our focus on. And that's one of these things that we have to really kind of think about in terms of this stuff as well, is that, you know, where we put our intention and where we put our focus, you know, is where our energy and our power is going to flow to, where where energy goes, or where, excuse me, where attention goes, energy flows, Yogananda used to say. I think that's a fantastic way of putting it. So, you know, being aware, just starting to understand and frame the, the issue of sustainability and living in a different way and creating a new way of doing things, um, you know, just starting with that is, is the starting point, right? That's the knowledge point of it. And then starting to take that knowledge, put it into action, make changes in your life, you know, do postings on, on social media, share with your friends, show them videos of things you're doing. I always find that very inspiring. Don't you? Like when you see people doing these great things at home, like, Oh, wow, I just started to, like my friend just made a, a cob brick, which is basically like a brick you make out of earth and, 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 and hay. 
and maybe a little bit of clay depending on your soil and he's going to make a he's going to make a, a a bread slash pizza oven out in his backyard with these things so he's posting that do you, do you ever see any of that kind of stuff on social media that that kind of inspires you yeah i do i get ideas either specifically to do something like a way to make an herb garden in your windowsill or something yeah or even just I think it's still inspiring just to see somebody like I'm not going to make a pizza oven in my backyard with brick I'm going to make that's probably not going to be my thing I'm painting the kitchen now so know your limits man know your limits it's okay you know but uh, but I am doing yard work and I'm doing uh, landscaping and some some things like that but to me it's inspiring just to know that people are doing that you know that they're putting their creativity. And they're doing something that's not just going out and buying something uh, that they're using their hands and, and feet and you know just you know especially anything with nature and with plants it's really uh, you could like Luther Burbank who did uh, so many uh, advances in um, plant uh, you know I guess hybrids and beanstalks and things like that uh, you can read some of his writings and you don't really know if he's talking about gardening or is he talking about spirituality in the human heart. Uh, oh, this sure. line, you know, they kind of merge this together. You know, these things become very similar because you're right, because we, we are, in a way, of the earth earthy. We seem to have a spiritual origin of, you know, elsewhere. Um, this longing to belong to the, the stars, perhaps where we came from. But uh, our bodies and our lives are lived out on the earth plane. And uh, if we are both, well, then we are, but it doesn't deny the, uh, the earthy part. We have, to, we have to live on this planet too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's a great point because sometimes we as spiritual folks can be so up in our heads and up in the clouds and wanting to transcend all this that we forget like you know this is our home for now and we're here for a purpose and there is something to learn here you know and there you know we have to create that balance between heaven and earth um, if we're going to really you know transcend and reach higher levels of consciousness and so you know those that's the practical side of things and of course don't get you know don't get discouraged and you know i, I kind of outlined a lot of the negative stuff that's going on and things like that and it's easy to you know watch like go back and watch some of these videos online and stuff and just throw up your hands because it all seems so, you know, so useless to do anything because the problems seem so big and, and all of this, but it's not. And you will find so many inspiring stories if you start looking into things like regenerative agriculture, permaculture, sustainability, and look at some of the projects they're doing in Africa and South America and, you know, some of these, um, you know, in some of these places where the environment was so degraded um previously i mean they re if you watch this one video it's called regreening the desert i believe or greening the desert you take this uh area in jordan it's just this rocky you know landscape where it gets up like 120 degrees during the summer and you create this little oasis it's a little paradise with you know with the ba with basically the water that is coming out of the sky which is not much I think their rainfall is just a little bit more than like we have here in Las Vegas, but the way that they harvested. So, I mean, it's incredible. There's people doing incredible things. There's things that will, you know, inspire you and, you know, know it is a big task and it's, you know, but it's our task, I think, as, as this, this generation, because it is such a, such a huge thing to, to start this work and to do and make it, you know, to do as much as we can to make the changes that we can for the next generation. Um, for the in for the for the kids right now, the little kids, the babies that are being born, it's like, you know, what is going to be left for them? Let's think about that. Let's think about that legacy. Let's think about this idea of continuity and reincarnation, and you know, this chain of life that exists. You know, and and be responsible toward to the animals, the plants, the trees, the oceans, the fish, all the living creatures that you know that are here. Not be so, you know, anthropocentric you know, human centered, right? It's a big, big word for right. human egocentric, right? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, geo, like the earth, you know, geocentric, the old uh, paradigm yeah. is a pentagram for ego, which is also <laughs> should be the old paradigm. But if I could, um, let me just, let me just, because you were talking about, you know, getting discouraged and inspiring things. 
Um, there's three, I guess I can think of at the top of my head, areas uh, that I've seen that to me have been personally uh, inspiring, mainly because they take an existing thing and think about it in a new way that moves towards sustainability. So uh, we, you know, solar panels are a thing now. <laughs> they have been for a while, but they're getting more efficient. I see a lot of people putting them up on their roofs. Well, I think it's a Tesla-owned company that has manufactured roofing tile that they themselves are the solar panels. So when you put the roof up, you have the solar panels there because I know people that have put solar panels up, they've had to reinforce their roofs and you have to bring the truck out again and all this extra stuff that it was seamless, that it was integrated. Yes, you need a roof. Yes, you want some solar panels, but the roof is the solar panel. The solar panel is the roof. That's a new way of looking at something. Uh, another one is, and I think I saw it on Shark Tank or something, it's somebody had developed a, uh, like a half sphere, like a little plastic uh, collar that would go around the base of, you know, an almond tree or a citrus tree or something in these big fields that grow the trees. And when the irrigation comes and the water goes towards the base of the tree, it actually stays in this dome. And if, because a lot of the water is lost to heat and evaporation, well, if it evaporates into this dome, it'll just condense and then drip down <laughs> to the ground below. And they were able to use like half as much water without changing anything other than adding these little collars to the base of the tree. So I like things that are like that, that don't take a huge shift, but maybe adding one thing or looking at one thing and applying it in a different way that uses a natural process like evaporation that in the old way of looking would be detrimental. Well, that, that will, you know, all the water's lost, the tree's not getting it, no one's getting it. Mm -hmm. Now, you're, the same evaporation is actually conserving the water and maximizing you know, the irrigation and reducing you know, the amount of water that needs to be used to do the same thing. You know, that's interesting. You know, it's even better than that is what you were yeah. talking about before, where you put the leaves down over the top of the, over the top. Yeah. Of it. It can, honestly, because it drips down through the leaves and it's held into the ground. It's held in the ground, so you don't even need the plastic thing. But that's a, that's cool though. That those little technological innovations. Maybe in certain situations that would that would be more effective than, uh, you know, the, the the leaves or what have you. That's that's those are neat. What was the third thing? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, uh, the third thing was uh, vertical farming um, that, you know, in an abandoned, you know, or abandoned, uh, in an otherwise unused office building or structure or even a shipping container, um, you can put LED lights and then you have aquaponic uh, plants. Mm -hmm. Probably works more better for, you know, leafy greens and, and it's not everything, um, but you could put a shipping container that's converted into a, a grow house. Uh, that uses very little soil, very little water, and is very, very efficient. And it's, okay, okay, that saves water and it's more efficient. Okay, that's great. But it goes well beyond that because of the distribution and then the time from farm to table. Mm -hmm. You could put one in every community, every you know, couple dozen in every city, and you can get it right to the restaurant uh, with a much smaller you know, supply chain footprint because you're growing in the same zip code, <laughs> not in some farm out in Owens Valley, and then it gets shipped over by the trucks. So sometimes changing one thing can really change a whole lot of other things too, or make so many of them unnecessary. That's a great point. Yeah, because it is, you're right, it's all interrelated, and you can, you can drop down a lot of the other uh, resource inputs that are necessary. Uh, you're right, that's a, that's a huge thing. Local, local and urban farming, a whole local food movement. That's a that's a big deal now. Uh, that I mean, and you think about it. You know, we were talking about this before, but I'm, you know, I'm I'm for the idea that that's food security. That's national security right there. It's you know, it's it's spreading out the distribution to localized nodes so that there is a great amount of security. It's like the idea of the internet. You know, you have these networked nodes. Uh, that all all are connected together like a web. You know that's why it's the World Wide Web, and you know it's designed for the military. So that if one point got knocked out, 
you know, the, the, it, you would just jump over to another node and then distribute the information via that other node, like a spider web, basically. So if one little strand is knocked out, it doesn't take out the whole system. You know, a, a secure future would require local food production. You know, you're not going to be able to necessarily produce everything depending on your locale, but, you know, if you can produce something and you can create a very vibrant localized food community, you know, you're creating more stability, you're creating new jobs, you're creating fresh local food that just like you said, doesn't have to be shipped. You know, and a lot of the stuff that's shipped in is coming from countries that are basically using slave labor, horrible pesticides, and then you're using massive amounts of fossil fuel to bring it here. And it's subsidized, you know, by corporations and by the government. And so it's not sustainable. That's the definition of not sustainable and not secure and not healthy. You know, whereas if you create this organic local food system, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a very powerful way of, of changing the dynamics of the whole structure of how we're, how we're living. That's one, one, one way to do that, starting locally. And it does make global changes. And it's like, I look at the card again and look at the magician and he's, you know, there's this great abundance. There's these beautiful green leaves and this, you know, these beautiful flowers right in his area. And I'm thinking that's it. There's local abundance right there. He's directing you know, he's directing that energy to the local area into right where he is. And so we need to think about that too. You know, I think that's a huge thing. That's a great point you bring up. But there's a lot to be, to be excited about and a lot to be, to be um, hopeful for. So I think that's actually going to do it for us. I, really think, I think we're close to probably 50 minutes an hour or something like that. So uh, do you have anything else you want to add to the end of this? A little parting wisdom? Well, I think we've covered we've covered a lot. A it's around. to be, uh, you know, to be a little more inspired and optimistic about the creativity and really the cause. I think so many people are more into this maybe than we realize. It can seem mm -hmm. like you're alone in the wilderness, or you have to have some farm in Montana to be able to do no. some culture. Um, you really don't. It can it can happen in a city. It can happen in an apartment. Uh, there are great ideas, uh, exchange ideas, just like I found out about the clippings and the dead lemons. Uh, put it out there, ask, ask around. You know, somebody <laughs> waiting in line at the grocery store might might know just as much about something as anybody else and, uh, and that people are working on this. There are great ideas. And I think more and more people would be willing to make some of these choices if the options were available and made known. So again, just like you're saying, sharing on social media yeah, or something. Or, yeah, exactly. something. An experiment. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. What do oh, you know, it can change. If sometimes you just change the consciousness, you go like, well, I didn't know that was possible. Well, I didn't know you could do it that way. That opens up a whole new set of pathways. And I think that's really what we're talking about is a, you know, a new, way which in some ways is like the old old way of doing things but uh, but also using our technology and i don't think that's that's the enemy uh, at all um it's our attitude <laughs> towards things yeah uh, use some high-tech things to to bring some very low impact improvements and move towards sustainability great uh, great point um and you know go ahead and try to meditate a little bit on this magician card and see what pops up for you in terms of the idea of ecology, the wisdom of the earth, sustainability, and so on. Just maybe, you know, sit and kind of gaze at the card and see what, what comes out of some of those symbols for you and see how it might um, enliven, you know, your practice, your life, um, and so on. And also, you know, use magical practices, ritual, prayer, um, you know, whatever you use to try to affect your inner and outer worlds uh, to bring about a more sustainable and peaceful and just world you know do that inner work to help to create the attitudes that are going to spread and so on and that makes a difference as well that inner work even though it seems like well i'm just meditating or i'm just praying or i'm just doing this you know ritual lighting this candle or you know going out at this particular you know cycle of the moon or whatever and doing my thing it all makes a difference you know getting in touch with those natural cycles and 
you know, you're following, following the, the planting calendars or, you know, working with the sort of neo-pagan or Wiccan uh, type of a, a system or, you know, looking at those different, uh, you know, changes in, in moon cycles and, and seasons and solstices and so on, all this, you know, that puts us in accord with the natural world, you know, and then we remember we're part of it. You know, and, and the thing is that's amazing too is like realize also that you know organized religions follow those same patterns as well. They just kind of have forgotten that what they're connected to. So you know it's there if you look for it. You know it's obviously in the occult traditions, the esoteric traditions, the magical traditions. You know the Druids, and but it's also in Judaism, Christianity, Islam, you know Hinduism, Buddhism, etc. So you know we're all connected to those cycles of the earth. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Chris, for your wonderful insights. Appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, thank you for, for joining us each week here on the Cosmic Eye Show. We hope that we're presenting information that helps you live a better life, helps you towards your individuation and self-realization process. And of course, you know, fixing and transforming some of the, you know, inner things that we have that are, you know, that are, that are issues or what have you and help, helping us to be better people. And of course, as we do that, we can shine out that light and, you know, make changes in the world uh, for the better. So check us out at anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye if you'd like to, to donate. Uh, you can check us out at CosmicEye.org or at ChrisSheridan.com if you want to get our books. My book is If uh, You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. Chris's book is The Spirit in the Sky. And again, we thank you for joining us. You know, check out that magician card. Try to, try to find ways to help out this uh, sustainability issue and help the earth. And have a great week. Goodbye and God bless.